Teen Time Presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand. This is the Teen Time Science Blog. I'm Neil Chase. If I said the country Bolivia, could you point to it on a map? As of course you know, Bolivia is in the middle of South America, and up till now it has been most famous for, well, not much. It is the poorest country in South America though, but that might be changing very quickly. Bolivia has the world's largest reserves of lithium, and lithium is one of the most valuable components in making rechargeable batteries. You probably own a lot of lithium already, as it is the main component in batteries for laptops and mobile phones. And lithium is set to become more in demand as more electric cars come onto the market. It's estimated that up to 70% of the world's lithium is to be found in Bolivia. 50 years ago, the Middle East was little more than a desert, but with extensive oil finds, countries there became hugely wealthy from oil. It's unlikely that Bolivia will be quite the same as that, but it will be a country that you will hear much more about in the years ahead. Science. There wasn't much good news for NASA last week. A U.S. government committee suggested that the space agency should concentrate more on longer missions and not think about returning to the moon anytime soon. They also cast doubts on the new Ares rocket that's being developed, and also hoped for more private money being invested, and that not all space development funds should come from American taxpayers. The research and development for space exploration is incredibly expensive, and many governments now see it as less of a priority. That's bad news for those of us who would like to see more space exploration, but the global economics of today make that prospect harder and harder. <laughs> Meanwhile, NASA is still evaluating the information it received from crashing two spaceships into the moon a few weeks ago. Would there be enough water on the lunar surface to make living there easier? However, a bigger question is who owns the moon? There will be more unmanned missions to the moon in the years ahead, but who gets to use the moon's recoverable resources, such as oxygen or water, or even any valuable mineral deposits there? In the 18th and 19th centuries here on Earth, the first people to arrive at a new country claimed that country for the one that they were from. But should that happen for any moon missions too? Scientists are hoping that the question of carving up the moon's resources can be done amicably, but in the next few decades we may see a scramble for lunar territory. However, with only a few nations being able to afford missions to the moon, it is likely that the rich nations on Earth will reap most of the benefits from space. With more importance placed on renewable energy, there are an increasing number of windmills popping up all over the world. The problem is that they look just like airplanes. Not to you and me, but to radar systems, which easily confuse the turbine's rotating blades with aircraft and can give false readings on radar screens. 
One solution for this problem is to have radar signposts or transponders at the sites of wind farms so that radar controllers know that they are windmills and not other aircraft. However, the problem with that is that the technology is complicated and many smaller aircraft wouldn't have it anyway. So, researchers are trying to make new windmills invisible to radar by changing the design of the blades. It's particularly complicated though as the windmills go round at different speeds, of course, depending on the wind. But this is a problem that needs to be solved if we are to generate much more energy from wind power and have safe air travel too. Water is also a very valuable resource and one of its most wasteful uses is washing clothes. However, scientists have now developed a washing machine that uses only 10% of the water that traditional machines use. The new prototype machine uses small plastic pellets that are used like laundry detergent but recycled hundreds of times. The plastic pellets have special polymers that attract dirt out of the clothes and just need humid conditions inside the machine to make them work, so just a splash of water, not many litres. Also, as there is hardly any water used, much less electricity is needed for spinning and drying the clothes. The new machines will be tested in commercial applications next year and then, if successful, will make it into the domestic market within the next few years. And that's it for the Teen Time Science blog for another week. But I'll be back for more next week in my freshly laundered clothes. Teen Time presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand.